January 3rd, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin, about 20 lines from the top, <coughs> two words before the end of the line. Class this morning and throughout the week is dedicated in memory, in loving memory of Rafael ben Rachel and Aryeh ben Sarah. <coughs> the Gemara picks up where the Mishnah had described in the name of Rabbi Meir, those words which describe the person who's hanged after their death. And the Torah says, Ki kilelat Elohim talui. <clears throat> And those words, kilelat Elohim talui, initially the Mishnah described them and interpreted them as, well, here's an individual who potentially cursed God, and as a result, he's being hanged. Alternatively, the Mishnah said, Rabbi Meir was doresh those words. Kilelat is milashon kalani, the Mishnah said, Baruch Hu, at the death of a person, as they're hanging, says, Kalani miroshi, kalani My head, my arm is so heavy. Why is it so heavy? My head is hurting me. My body is aching because I see a person, I see a person, quote unquote, like me, who's being killed, who's dead. And the Mishnah continued, Rabbi Meir continued, if that's the way he reacts, so to speak, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, about Rishayim, can you imagine his reaction Quote, unquote, kivyachol, his emotions at the loss of a righteous person. The Gemara, as Charlie did, questions, well, the word kalani, kal, means light. means quite the opposite of what Bimeir interpreted it as. Bimeir says, kilelat Elohim talui. Kalani is in some way a reference to something being heavy, a heavy head, a heavy heart, a heavy arm. Where do you see that in the word kal, which means light? My mashma asks the Gemara here on line 21. Amar abaye kemande amar kal. Let. Uh, Abaye interprets it as kilelat is a compound word. It's nidrash, it's interpreted as kal let. Let, of course, means is not, right? Uh, eat is is and let is not. Kal let, there is no lightness. In other words, it's a negative way of talking about the circumstance. Instead of saying my head is heavy and my arm is heavy and my body's aching, you say my head is not light. My arm is not light. My body is not light. Amale Ravar, Ravar responds to Abayah says, Really? That's the way you would refer to it? Imken, kaved alai roshi, kaved alai zeroi, mi ba'ele. And mi ba'ele means it should be. In other words, Ravar responds to Abayah says, What are you talking about? He says, If that's what the statement in the Torah, that's what the understanding of Rabbi Meir is all about, well, then the word should not be kalit. You don't, generally speaking, talk in the negative. You talk in the positive, even if you're talking about a negative circumstance. Instead of saying, I'm not light, just say, I'm kavid, say, I'm heavy. Say, my head is heavy, my body's heavy. That's the way you should have referenced it. It can't be, says Ravata Abaye, that the words kalani, or the word kililat, is nidrash as kalit. Ela amar rava mande amar killi. Alma, alternatively, says Rava, it's a reference not to yourself, not to himself, God, but rather to all others. Instead of talking negatively about yourself, you're contrasting yourself to others. And you're saying the Alma, everything that exists outside of me, appears to be light. In other words, I'm heavy. My head is hurting me. My body's aching. Another way, instead of talking negatively about myself, is to say, well, everyone around me appears so healthy. Everyone around me appears 
Kala, and that's Kalani, that's Kililat. It's a reference about all others instead of referring to himself. Says the Gemara, Well, you're telling me, Rabbi Meir, we interpreted your words, fine. But the word Kililat is a whole fancy and interesting derasha, Kivyachol, Kadosh Baruch Hu, exclaiming about how he has the pain in this circumstance. I don't understand the Pasuk, Kililat Elohim Talui, needs Ligufe. Ligufe means for its own matter, in its terms of its halacha that it teaches. Us. It teaches us a person who cursed God, a blasphemer, a migadif, needs to be hanged. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. How'd you come up with a derasha in an inappropriate circumstance? It's one thing if you had extra words. It's another thing if you had extra letters. Over here, the Pasuk says, which is a reference to the person who cursed, and now he's the embodiment of an individual who cursed God. He's talui. You're, you're, you're hanging him. Hai means this, this word, kilelat. It is necessary for us. For its own circumstance. Don't run off to a derasha of kili, of kalet, of kalani meroshi when you need to read it in its regular context and simple interpretation. Answers the Gemara. There are extra letters perhaps in this context. Imken ne makera mikalil, my kililat. Says the Gemara, if the case were to be read in the Torah in its most simple and regular interpretation, it should have said, Ki mikalel Elohim talui. A person who has cursed, mikalel is the curser, is the blasphemer. Instead it says, kilelat. Kilelat is almost a reflexive reality of some sort where it's the curse of. Well, he's not the curse of God. He's an individual who did curse God. The fact that the Torah uses that interesting, unique wording teaches us to read the Pasuk as not only Kilelat Elohim Talui as Mekalel, but as Kalani Meroshi as well. Ask the Gemara, once you told me that the wording is off, quote unquote, it doesn't say Mekalel. It doesn't say the blasphemer, the Megadev. Rather, it says Kilelat, the curse of, or the lightness of. Well, maybe that's the only interpretation of the Pasuk. Absolutely new law over here. There's nothing in the Pasuk, perhaps, which teaches us about actually hanging a person who has cursed. It rather is a reference just to understanding the circumstance. Kivyachol HaKadosh Baruch Hu has Kalani Meroshi. Do you understand what the Gemara did over here? It asked from one direction, and then once it answered it, it completely flipped it, and it said, all right, so maybe the whole law is off. Answers the Gemara, Imken, if that were so, Nema Kera, Kilat, probably with a dagesh in the lamid, it should just say kilat kof lamid taf. If you put a dagesh in the lamid, it'll be effectively two lamids. And as a result, the fact that the pasuk, my kilelat, why are there two lamids? Derashat hachamim, shema mina darte, we can derive from this two matters. So ultimately speaking, when all the dust settles, what the Gemara tells us is we indeed learn two things from this interesting and unique word, kililat, kililat Elohim talui, first and foremost, legufe, for its regular and simple interpretation, kililat Elohim talui, this is a mekalel who's hanging on the tree, make certain that he's not hanging past nightfall so that we don't have too many people talking about and now beginning to understand and think about cursing God. That's the first reference in the Pasuk. And second is the derashav Rabbi Meir, kivyachol, the Torah is hinting to us the circumstances almost as if God is mournful over even
even the life of Arasha. Says the Gemara onward, Velo zo bilvad. The Gemara over here continues in explaining the words in our Mishnah. The Mishnah continued and it told us, not only do we have a halakha that a person who is put to death and hanged needs to be buried by nightfall, but the Mishnah continued and told us, kol hamilinet, or kol hamalin probably, et meto, any person who leaves out, who does lina on a dead person, is over That's the statement. In other words, you can't, you can't hesitate. You can't push off burial. You need to bury. Says the Gemara. How do you know that an individual who is malin et meto is not burying immediately? That he violates a mitzvah lo Tamud lo the double wording, you shall surely bury, teaches us in the context, even though it's only talking about the circumstance of where the person is hanged, you derive from this, a person who leaves out their deceased, deceased anyone, is Morris, no questions. It's a strange derasha. The Gemara says, how do you know being over on If Teddy was here, he'd ask this. You're being over on a mitzvah, lo from a pasuk which says kabor tikberenu lo means you should not do something over here it says you shall surely do this so at the very least you have a bitul mitzvah ta'aseh what sort of derasha is this over here in the Gemara do you understand we're looking for somewhere in the Torah where it says don't do X and what we come up with do Y now you might say, what's the difference? Well, there's major differences. Mitzvah lo ta'aseh has uh, appended to it. Malkot, bitul mitzvah ta'aseh does not. If you don't sit in the sukkah, if you don't put on tefillin, whatever the circumstances, there's no malkot. If you did something, if you ate non-kosher, there's malkot in such a circumstance. Of course, if you have all the, uh, all the, all the, tr- the trimmings together with it, hatra'a uh, and betin and so forth. But when it comes down to it, that's not the derashat kabor tikberenu. So if you see, I don't know what letter or what star or whatever there is in your Gemara, at the very beginning there's a little letter in mine, a little bit next to Amar Biohanan. In mine, it leads me up to the top left hand corner. When I was younger, all the Gemarot used to lead you to the side. But anyway, now it leads you up to the top left hand corner, and it has a different version in the Gemara, different Girsa, which will make a lot more sense. We'll understand where it's coming from. The different Girsa, it says, Girsa ta Yelkut. Yelkut is a collection of Midrashe Halacha. Amar Bihan Midrashe Agada. So Amar Biohanan, Minayin Lemalin et Metoshu Alver Belo Taaset. Do you understand? Do you see where I'm reading from? Tamud Omar. Ah, so we started instead of with kabor tikberenu with the word lotalin nivlato. That's a mitzvah. Lotase continues the yalkut minayin sheover af be'ase. How do you know he also violates a mitzvah ase? Tamudomar ki kabor tikberenu. Okay, well, if we plug those words into our Gemara, then everything makes a lot of sense. Instead of the Gemara asking where's the mitzvah lotase and giving the answer of kabor tikberenu, there's a line missing there. What's the line? that's missing based on this other nosach, this other girsa. The line is that lotalin, which makes a lot of sense. Don't leave out. Don't leave uh, lying. Then, how do you know there's also mitzvah ta'aseh, kabor tikberen, what does all this amounts to more than anything is the severity and the importance of, in the appropriate, swift amount of time, burying a person who's deceased. It's an important issue, uh, which we're all familiar with. Now, the Gemara will go on over the course of the next amud and a half or so to deal with circumstances where potentially, it'll come up once or twice, maybe three times, where potentially you're able to be melin. We already mentioned one, if you recall, if it's for the tachrichin, 
Nisin, if it's for the Aron, if it's in order to ensure a honorable burial. Okay, but that'll, of course, we'll have to ask questions. What if you want to move the body? What if a family member wants to come? These are all important issues, but when, and it should never happen, when the Hevra is very insistent that we need to bury now, they're doing it not only for their own good to get to deal with the matter, Shabbat, you can't bury on, of course. I mean, so, but we're dealing with in circumstances where you could. In Israel, in Israel, to the extent that they won't have halanat amet, they do it at night. I've been at more than one burial at night. Immediately after the 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 the, the, the person passes away, they'll sometimes do the levaya at night, and then they'll rush to the bet hakivarot. It's a lot more of a scary situation than you know Staten Island during the well, you don't know Kohen. Anyways, I hope nobody knows. Anyway, says the Gemara Ikat. What's that? Similar over there, you have a lot of mitzvah ta'aseh. You have it in several circumstances in the Torah. Of course, the question is why have a mitzvah ta'aseh and a lot ta'aseh? So, general, well, separate conversation. Masechit Kiddushin, there's Ramban Nachmani, famous in which he suggests that the lot ta'aseh is the primary command and the mitzvah ta'aseh is quote unquote to buffer it or to encourage it. Which, of course, raises all sorts of interesting questions in halacha. But anyway, it says the Gemara onward, but yes, that's another example. You have lotasim damim bevetecha, don't have blood, and you're supposed to so similar as well. Anyway, it says the Gemara, it's a different version, not a different girsah, but a different version of Rabbi Yohanan, the name of Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, on our issue. Amar Rabbi Yohanan, Mishum Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, remez likvura mina Torah minayin. Instead of it being a if you didn't bury, and a mitzvah ta'aseh, quote-unquote, to bury, over here it's just a remez. It's not even a mitzvah ta'aseh per se, and we're not going to be reading this as an absolute. Tamud omar ki kabor tikberenu mikan remez likvura min This is the hint for kivura min Why is it only a remez? Why is it a mitzvah ta'aseh? Of course, the answer is, this is in the context of a person who's kilat Elohim is a person who was hanging. It's not referring to every circumstance necessarily. The derasha is to extend it. Now the statement of Rabbi Yohanan, the name of Bishimon ben Yochayas, it's a remez. Says the Gemara, jumping off of that issue, and just what we just left off on, and that is that it's not a simple reading over here that this is a mitzvah ta'aseh or a lot ta'aseh which extends beyond. Our Mishnah did tell us, v'lo'od, you should know, it extends beyond the case of hanging. But it's not that simple. You could read it in a simple sense. Uh, not that way. This is a chova on bedin, on the community, in a circumstance where the person's hanging. Doesn't mean every situation. Shevur Malka Shevor Malka Shevur Malka is mentioned several places in Talmud. It appears as if that was his name, or maybe that was the nickname the Jews gave him. Regardless, he was some sort of Persian king who was a ruler at the time, and he had conversations sometimes in Torah with the rabbis of the time period. He says to Rav Hama, and oftentimes it's in an antagonistic fashion, Kevura min ha-Torah minayin. He says, where is it in your Torah, maybe in our Torah, I don't know exactly what he was practicing or believed in. He says, where do you find Kevura? Where do you find the concept of a command, a, uh, an obligation to bury? Ishtik vela amale vela mide. Tells the Gemara, Rav Hama was quiet, and he could not and would not respond. Could not and would not respond. <laughs> Were you paying attention to everything until now, Rav Hama? Amar Yaakov imsir alma biyada de tipshae. 
Shema Israel. Now this is this is type of reference I have in classes sometimes to my students in the school. I say I'm de- I'm dealing with a bunch of amehares. I'm dealing with a bunch of imbeciles. Now, I wouldn't say it about you know colleagues, but anyway, he said it about a colleague, and of course it's just an expression. Don't assume for a moment that Rav Hama, of course the Gemara will defend Rav Hama, but the expression is imsir limsor, of course means to pass over, alna means the world, means matters of the world, biada into the hand, the tipsha'e, foolish ones. In other words, the expression of Rav Habar Yaakov is Rav Hama, I can't believe you, you had the opportunity to speak to Shivon Malka to defend ourselves and explain the beauty of the Torah, tell him where you have kivuram in Torah, and you were quiet? You couldn't figure this one out? You couldn't put this together? Come on! The Ibayel Lelememar, Rav Hamas should have said, this is Rav Haba Yaakov speaking, Kikabor. Should have said that. It's Pasuk says Kikabor. Says the Gemara, Rav Hama would not bring that as his source because maybe that Pasuk, aside from only being in the context of uh, of someone who was hanged, it's also the Le'aved Le'aron. Maybe it would only be referring to creating a, uh, a, a box, a coffin of sorts. In other words, who said that it needs to be burial in the ground? Maybe it can be above the ground in some sort of box. The pasuk that says kabor does not necessarily tell me an underground kivura. Might just mean you have to place the individual in a, in a, uh, in a uh, chest of some sort. You have a similar wording with Yosef in which they put him in a box and they don't necessarily put him underground in Egypt. Uh, what about the word tikberenu? tikberenu lo does the Gemara, this, this double wording of Kabor Tikbere, no Shavor Malka would not accept it, or Rav Hama himself didn't think it was an appropriate derasha. Either way you interpret it, and there are two ways of interpreting it, says the Gemara, that's why Rav Hama did not respond. Okay, says the Gemara, but we have other references, we have other cases in the Torah, which perhaps you and I would not look to and say, Ha mitzvah taseh. But we would say it's a remes likfuram in Torah. There are other circumstances we can point to and say, that's the rason Hashem. God wants us burying underground. For example, Venema, perhaps Rav Hamas should have responded to Shivon Makam, mid ikbur sadike. Perhaps he should have responded because the righteous ones were buried underground. Who are the righteous ones? Explains Rashi. Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, the Pesukim tell us explicitly, are buried in Me'arat HaMachpela. Me'arat is an underground area, right? They were buried underground. That's what he should have answered. Shabon Malka comes, knocks on your door, and asks you, where's Kivuram in Torah? So Rav Hama, you don't like Kabor, Tikberenu, it's not good enough. Why not just say Avraham, Tzachak, Yaakov, read the stories of the Torah. And again, we, each of us might say, all right, heke, that's the way it was. But the suggestion of the Gemara is, Rav Hama could have won the argument, could have proved the uh, truthful practice of Am Yisrael. Min Hagabi Alma, says the Gemara, uh, he would have, or uh, probably should have responded if, if Rav Hama had told him it's because of Avraham, Tzachak, Yaakov. could have said, he would have said, ah, it's just a minhag. It's not telling you you're supposed to do that. Abraham, Tzachak, and Yaakov, that was the way of the time. That was their minhag. That doesn't mean that you're supposed to do it. The Torah tells us lots of things that X or Y or Z did. But it doesn't mean that's what you're supposed to do. It means that's the way they used to do it. It says the Gemara, mit kabre hakadosh baruchu Moshe. The Pasuk says at the end of the Torah, vaikbere usham bagai. He buries him in the valley. Who's he buries him? Well, the him is Moshe. Who buried him? The interpretation of the Hachamim is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Well, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu buried Moshe, that's just a minhag. Come on, that's it. Rav Hama, you should have won the argument, not on the argument, you should have proved it to him. 
says the Gemara, Delali Shtinem Minhaga. Kadosh Baruch Hu was doing so because he didn't want to potentially change from the practice. Moshe is going to have a different burial, a different way of after death than everyone else. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. Kivyachola Kadosh Baruch Hu submits to the way of the world. Uh, but it doesn't mean that you're supposed to do Kibura. So Rav Hama, we still understand why he was quiet. Tashema, says the Gemara, we have a Beraita. And the Beraita. Excuse me, we have, a, we, have a, we have a derasha, and the derasha goes as follows from the following pasuk. This is a pasuk in the context of the son of Yeravam. The son of Yeravam, Aviyah, was, uh, was uh, in a uh, uh, deathly state. He was, uh, was nearing his death. And Yeravam, who's a rotten individual, sends his wife to Ahiyah, the Navi at the time, to try to find out what's going to be, are we going to be able to bear it, what's going to be the circumstance? And God, through Nivuah, transmits the message to the wife of Yeravam, you should know your son, Aviyah, he's all right. All of Am Yisrael will, uh, will eulogize him and they'll bury him. Now this is in contrast, the Pasuk says, to all your other children, you Yeravam, rotten, terrible. All your other children, rotten, terrible, won't get a burial. This one, well, he's okay. The Gemara Masechet Moed Katan talks about different acts that this son, Aviyah, did that were righteous, that were good. But when it comes down to it, the Pasuk says that that's what you're supposed to do. They're nervous about the death, the impending death of their son. The response through uh, Ahiyah is, you should know he's going to have a burial and a eulogy. A burial and eulogy. You're supposed to bury and eulogize. Again, the Gemara says it deflects immediately. It says, Rav Hamakut. A, it's not a pasuk in Hamishah Hamshet Torah, I will add. But B, even this pasuk in Navi won't clinch it. Why won't it clinch it? Because the response again could have been, hey, okay, that's the way it was. It's not that you need to do that. It's not that it's an imperative to do it. It's the way it was done. If today we don't do it any longer, the claim of Shibor Malka could be, we could just place in a chest, we could just put it in Aron. Says the Gemara onward, this pasuk by Yirmiyah. Pasuk by Yirmiyah says, about uh, about those who are going to die, lo yisafedu velo yikaveru ledomen al peneha adama yehiu. This is talking about if I'm not mistaken, people in Anatot, and there's, there's the statement to Yirmiya is these people are reshaim, and as a result, they won't be buried, and they won't be eulogized. Yes, Charles. There's a wonderful question. It's the next sugya in the Gemara, well, next, uh, next discussion in the Gemara. Literally just a few lines from now. It'll be a question of whether, it, well, we'll deal with it. Says the Gemara, and there's major ramifications, right? So, one major, at least. Says the Gemara, well, here's a pasuk as well, where the contrast, where the negative reveals the positive. If these are the Rashaim and they're not going to get Kiburan, they're not going to get Hesped, clearly, when you're dealing with righteous, regular people, that's what you're supposed to do. Again, says the Gemara, The reason this is the ultimate curse to them is not because that's an absolute necessity of burial in the ground, but rather because that's the minhag. So the statement of God to Yirmiyah about these 
uh, these wicked people is they won't have the regular practice. It will be negative and inappropriate for them, but not because it was an absolute. So the Gemara doesn't have a conclusion on this matter. We do have our derashot from earlier from Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, but Rav Hamayim being quiet in his conversation with Shibon Malka, he was able to realize that there would be a response to any of these pesukim that he would have cited, and sometimes shetika is not kehoda, shetika is yag la Instead of getting into a debate and making yourself look bad because of accepted premises that you have based on your tradition, I mean, it's a classic situation. Have we not all been in this situation? Someone's challenging you on a matter that you hold very near and dear to your heart. It's part of who you are. But you can't prove it. And it's going to be, not practically, it will be impossible to prove it. Do you engage in the conversation, bring them along the lines and they're shrewd, sly individuals? It's going to be able to respond to any claim you're going to make, or do you instead keep quiet? What are you getting involved in that? You're only going to make yourself, not doubt yourself, but look bad in this conversation. They're going to walk away and say, I defeated him. The Rav Hama response, it appears as if, was the right response. Just to keep quiet, sometimes you can't prove even something that you know to be true. Says the Gemara, Iba'aya lehu. Is it a dame lehashiv if he's an apikores? I'm not certain he's an apikores, and I'm also not certain always exactly how you're supposed to respond. I mean, we, we know dame lehashiv, which means to say you're supposed to be very sly and shrewd in your response to those who are heretics. No no, sometimes no response is better. I mean, we re- if you read uh, Ramban, Ramban Nahmani in his encounter with uh, you know, his, his well-known disputation. So there are over there circumstances where he's twisting uh, and there's no question and he's willing to twist because it's in a debate and sometimes you have to know how to do so. In the response to Talmidei Yeshu in that censored v- version of the Gemara as well, those are ridiculous responses, but they won the argument so sometimes you'll, go, you'll play that way. On the flip side, as you're saying, sometimes if you're not going to be able to win it, even though we have our sourcing, so just drop it. Says the Gemara, Iba'ayalehu, here's the question, and this is the question Charles just a moment ago. Kebura, when we bury, and we do bury, Mishum Bizyonahu, is it because it's going to be a Bizayon? We'll define that word in just a second. First and foremost, Levazot means to embarrass, means to be shameful. Or Mishum Kaparahu, or is it alternatively as a way of uh, achieving atonement? Now, who's the Bizayon going to be for over here? So you'd imagine it's the mate. It'll be clear from the ensuing lines of the Gemara, we're talking about the family members. Rashi over here, for one reason or another, says for the mate, that it'll be inappropriate for him. Tosafot points out, but a few lines later on in the Gemara make it clear we're talking about the family members. So you'll have to argue that our family members, that's what we're talking about, Bizayon specifically. Of course, there's Bizayon for the, for the mate as well, perhaps. Or is it Mishum Kapara? Kapara means there's some sort of atonement which we'll have to address, and we will in a little bit, as to what sort of atonement you, you passed away. Atonement, I, am, I can understand achieving in your lifetime. What sort of atonement is there by being buried in the ground? Tosafot furthermore cites the Gemara later on, which states explicitly that there is atonement, there is kapara. The Gemara refers to it as hibuta keber, when you're buried in the ground. So Tosafot explains that the Gemara is questioning not whether it's for kapara, there's certainly some sort of kapara, which again needs to be defined. But ultimately speaking, what's the primary function? What's the main reason, the central the circumstance over here, or central uh, d- 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 underpinning for burial? Is the point in order to avoid bizayon, to give some sort of honor to the family members? Or is it alternatively some way, in some fashion, bringing kapara? Again, 
Again, Tosafot suggesting it is both. There's no question it is both. Which one's the primary one? In other words, if we argue it's both, so then we don't have a question. So then what's the Gemara questioning? And that's what Tosafot's bother. Says Tosafot, what's the Ikar reason? Lamai nafkamina. Who cares what's just the nafkamina? What's the practical ramification? Who cares? If ultimately speaking, as you said, A, B, it's both. And B, even if it's one of them, but oh, is there a practical ramification? Or is this a philosophical exercise? De Amar says the Gemara, what about a circumstance, the Amar, the person who's deceased prior to dying, says, Speaking in the third person, the individual says, I don't want to be buried. He doesn't want to be buried. Now, if it's for his own kapara, so he's waving his kapara. I don't want kapara. Now, as Rashi will explain, if you're going to bury him now, well, he said he doesn't want kapara. Even the burial, you can't give kapara so the burial will be meaningless. If it's for the family member, so that there's not a bizayon, however, well, now I understand. You'll go against his word. So again, he makes a claim and a demand prior to death. I don't want to be buried. Now, if the purpose of burial is primarily for him, he can make such a claim. And ultimately speaking, even if you bury him, he's not achieving that atonement. He's waving, waving the ability to the atonement. If it's for the bizayon, and here's where you understand from the Gemara's understanding of this matter that the bizayon is for the family members, well, then he's not able to make such a claim. He's not in charge of family members, and they'll go against his word. They can make the claim? The family members can make the claim that I don't want to bury my my. No. It's, it's for my bizayon. If it's for your bizayon, but as a family member, if it's only for your bizayon, so can the families? The Gemara doesn't frame it that way. The Gemara frames it as can he? You want to know on the flip, on the side, flip side? What if the family members make that claim? So the answer will have to be that they could from that logical standpoint, but ultimately speaking, as we have it as a hovah mitzvah lo and ta'aseh from the Torah. In other words, you'll go against it if it's on him. If it's on you, you can make whatever claim you want, and rightfully so, but it's against the Torah, so you can't go. That's why the Gemara does it this way. Says the Gemara, in such a circumstance, uh, uh, if you're to, to claim that the primary function of burial is so that there's not a bizayon, a shameful state for the family members, he doesn't have the right to make such a claim. And that's the halakha, by the way. You see the little letter next to it. That's the halakha. He doesn't have the ability to make such a claim because it's bizayon for the family. And if it's for achieving atonement, he said, I don't want, I don't need kapara. And you wouldn't or don't have to bury him in such a circumstance, as Rashi points out. As I said, even if you bury him, he's not achieving kapara. My, what's the halacha? Now the Gemara is going to go back and forth trying to bring sources and proofs, and ultimately speaking, doesn't resolve it. But as I told you just a moment ago, we accept that it's for bizayon mishpaha, which in turn means you must bury. There's no such thing as not burying because the fellow said before is that. Tashema, <coughs> the Gemara will go through many of the proofs and suggestions we had earlier. Earlier we were trying to find Remez or Kibura min HaTorah Minayin, Shevor Malka, Rav Hama. Now we're going to use all those sources to deal with this issue. How are we going to use those sources? Well, let's see. Tashema, come and learn from the following. The fact that the righteous ones, Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov were buried. Well, why were they buried? If you're to tell me that the reason they were that we bury in general is for the kapara of the, of the individual, Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov needed kapara. Clearly, it's only for the bizayon of the mishpacha. The fact that Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov were buried teaches me it's not for kapara. Kapara, <coughs> these righteous ones, Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, 
Yaakov, our Abot, the Kapara, said he, they needed Kapara, come on. In, says the Gemara, yeah, even Abraham, Tzachak, Yaakov needed Kapara. Dichtiv, Adam and Tzadik, Ba'aretz, Ashayase, Tov, Velo Yecheta, as the Pasuk teaches us, there's no person, there's no individual ever who is absolutely uh, clean of sin, of wrongdoing, and as a result, even Abraham, Tzachak, Yaakov, perhaps, not perhaps, certainly on a much lower scale and level than each of us, I would gander. But when it comes down to it, they were uh, they were in need of kapara. You can't bring a proof that it's not for kapara, it's only for bizayon mishpacha from Avraham Tzachinakov. Tashema, vesafedulo kol Yisrael, vekaveru oto. The Pasuk says in the context of that son of Yeravam, Aviyah, they're all going to eulogize and going to bury. As I told you, the continuation in that Pasuk. Pasuk says, only this son, not your other sons, will be buried and eulogized. Yeravam. You're a rotten person. Your sons, no, they won't be buried. This one, I'll give you the out. He's all right. Says the Gemara, if it's for Kapara, forget about it. If it was for Yeravam, then I understand. The reason they're not being buried is we want to be Mivazi Yeravam. He's a rotten individual. We'll take him down. But if it's for the children, for their Kapara, you're not going to bury them? So clearly it's for Bizayon Mishpacha, the reason that you bury. Says the Gemara, yes, ki echid, we should be burying them so that they achieve kapara. Answers the Gemara. Hi, this sadiq who teavele kapara. Hanach lo lehavelehu kapara. Says the Gemara, what the Pasuk is teaching in that context, what God through Ahia is teaching is, listen, one of your sons is a sadiq. He deserves kapara. The rest of them are not tzaddikim. They don't deserve kapara. And words, you can't prove from that pasuk. I could read it in one of two ways. Either it's for bizayon mishpacha, only one of them, or alternatively, it's even for kapara. Or even for kapara, what those sons do wrong? They weren't good guys. They don't deserve the kapara. So the Gemara says again, we can't prove whether kivura, as Charles asks, as we pose the question, is for the family members or is it for the individuals being buried? Yes. You're asking why do we bury those who are put to death? Yeah, basically. Is that, and was, uh, the Mishnah told us that even those who had Arbami taught Betin are put to death, they're just buried in a different burial plot. The answer is we're still. Sivuy of God. Uh, to the extent that you have to make such an argument, uh, that's real. In other words, the vantage point of the Gemara in asking the question is your point. We do bury even the, those who are wicked. That's what we learned in our Mishnah. We, we had two separate Beit Kvarot. Maybe we put them in a separate place, but ultimately speaking, we do bury them. And the reason was for Kapara. We took the bones out afterwards once we assumed they got Kapara and we buried them separately. We do it. Answers the Gemara, and that's exactly so. You strengthen the question. The answer of the Gemara is, but these individuals, God is speaking, Yeravam, and they, they're wicked to the extent that we're not giving them that kaparatashema. The Pasuk says, if you recall, in the context of those people during the time of Yirmiyah, the wicked ones, they're not going to be eulogized, they're not going to be buried. It says the Gemara, well, wait a second, what, what was happening over there? 
Uh, why are they not being buried? Uh, answers the Gemara. Okay, same answer. They're wicked. We don't want to give them kapara. Repeating again, the strength of the question was, you don't want to give kapara even to those who are wicked? The answer is yes, at certain junctures, even to those we don't want to give kapara, if God deems so, if God demands so. So the Gemara has no haskama on this matter. No maskana. doesn't come to a conclusion. It only starts the next question. We'll start the next question and we'll realize this next question might be connected to this past question, in which case, if we have a resolution to this last next question, well, we'll resolve that earlier on. What was our initial question? Our initial question was kivura for bizayon of the family or for kapara of the met lehu. Similar question they had they posed hespeda when we eulogize yekara de hayehave or yekara de shechvehave. When we're maspid, when we eulogize, what's the purpose, what's the reason, the primary reason, let's add, according to Tosafot, is it for the family members who are alive, they get a certain yoke, they get a certain yakar, a certain honor and glory through speaking about the deceased one and what he means to their family and who they are? Or alternatively, is it after his death, you're somehow glorifying him and giving it to him? What's the difference? Answers the Gemara. If the deceased one says, prior to his death or her death, don't give me his spit. Well, if it's for them, they're allowed to say it. If it's for me, you're not allowed to say it. Over here, the Gemara says, alternatively, and this is exactly your point, of uh, uh, Morris. This was your question earlier. This time we could do it. There's no chova to do hesped. Alternatively, the flip side. Le'afuke means to take out, to extract money. Miyorshim means from the inheritors, which means to say, if I'm an inheritor of the person who's deceased, if it's my responsibility to hire people who are going to speak at the, uh, to give those eulogies, well, then I need to pay the money. If it's for the deceased one, I need to pay the money. If it's for me, I say, I'm cheap. I'm not interested in that yikar. <laughs> Says the Gemara, that's the question. Is hesped for the individual who's, who's deceased? Can he make the claim, I don't want a hesped? Alternatively, if it's for me, the one who's still alive, can I make the claim, I don't want to pay for the hesped? That's what the Gemara will deal with in the next few lines. Baruch Amen. Amen.